This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your start for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Drive, Monica, drive! Drive, crash! Smash it, do everything, crash! This would probably be a bad time to tell you, but I actually don't have a driver's license. Even better, crash! (laughs) Crash harder! (laughs) This is part two of episode number 64 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Getaway. So if you're looking for part one, you are listening to the wrong file. Go away, we don't want you here, in our part two spoilery discussion. With explosions. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, you should be aware that this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to discussion of mainstream blockbuster films, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one, or at least after you've seen the movie. Again, this is part two, so if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening now and go check out part one of this episode. This week we are talking about Getaway. I'm going to assume if you're listening you've already seen the film and don't need us to remind you what it was about. It was a pretty simple plot. (laughs) Here's a clip. Sad confession, I didn't know that was John Voight. I don't watch trailers, and I try not to look up movies beforehand, so when I showed up to this, it was like, oh, that guy! (laughs) At the end, when they finally reveal his whole face. Yeah, can we talk about luscious man lips? (laughs) All them close-ups? There's a Jolie money, all right? Yes, Monica, I agree with you. Since since we're in spoilers now, I think we can go ahead and reveal that John Voight's lips deserve an Oscar nomination. I don't know if I'd go as far as Oscar nomination, but that's kind of ballsy to just be all man lips all the time. Yes. I mean, John Voight is the villain in this film, and he doesn't show his face until the very end. It's nothing but close-ups of his mouth, mainly. Luscious man lips. Or slight profile shots where his face is mainly hidden. Yeah. And he has a, I guess, like, old man five o'clock shadow? Yes. Scruffy. Here's what you need to know about John Voight in this movie, Monica. I needed to know something? Yes. <laughs> okay. That is not his voice. Oh, do tell. John Voight literally just showed up on set <laughs> to get a few shots of him looking at computer monitors and walking around and stuff. And I guess they got some close-up shots of his lips reading the lines, but it is not his voice. Uh, okay. Really? Really. It is actually the voice of Paul Freeman, who you probably most recognize as the villain Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, okay. 
I know, right? <laughs> now it just kind of makes me wonder if, like, John Voight got lost and wandered on set, just kind of puttered around and then was like, okay, I'm going to go now. Or if maybe they wanted to get Paul Freeman, so they went ahead and shot some things with him. Maybe those are his lips. I don't know. Oh. And then maybe John Voight, they somehow got him and were like, oh, no, let's replace Paul Freeman and bring in John Voight. I don't know. I don't know. It's very, very strange. Strange is accurate. This movie, no. <laughs> Just no. This movie, Monica, I'm telling you, there's no way this can be a serious movie. Okay? You know, you say that. This is either the pinnacle of Hollywood stupidity. This is either Hollywood officially jumping the shark, or there's something else going on here, Monica, because every derogatory thing you could say about action movies these days applies to Getaway, okay? The main character's name is Brent Magna. Mm -hmm. He's going after his wife. He has no backstory beyond the fact that he's a former race car driver. And the plot is literally nothing but a guy saying, crash into things, and it happening. Basically. I mean, if this was done seriously, it is an unintentional commentary on the state of modern Hollywood. Continue on with this theory, because I'm really curious. Okay, well, as I was watching this film, I was intrigued a little bit just from hearing the basic premise of this film, just because it's a movie where you've got, you've got all the cameras in the car, okay? And so I was immediately like, okay, so this is a movie about movies. This is a movie about looking. This is a movie about voyeurism. Really? Is that what End of Watch was supposed to be? Well, no, that was different, though, because that was just found footage. That wasn't like we have cameras everywhere and we're watching you, really. I mean, I don't know. It's not found footage that much because uh, they pretty explicit about... He's making this as a documentary for, like, one of his classes or whatever. Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Yeah, but End of Watch is just supposed to be a traditional found footage movie, though. And I think this is different. When I, I view I view Getaway, at least the script for Getaway, I think it's going for something like Cabin in the Woods. Where Cabin in the Woods was all about people behind the computer monitors watching things through cameras and watching people die. This is a movie about there's cameras everywhere in the car and John Boyd is sitting around... And the audience, by extension, is sitting around watching people crash cars into things for no reason. Like, the characters in this movie don't even have names, except for Brent Magna. Selena Gomez is just the kid. John Voight is just the voice. Uh, He's just this, like, nameless director calling out commands for the actor in this plan to perform. And so I spent most of the movie thinking, okay, this is terrible, and I hate how the action is directed – but were the writers trying to say something here? Because it is so simple and it is so cliche. Did they just boil it down and say, well, let's comment on that? Does that make sense? It does, in a way. I guess I'm just so disappointed then in how the direction came out because it was, again, <laughs> my oh-so-eloquent way, an ugly-ass film. It was. I got eyes. This is a movie. I got to see. I have to sit through. And it looks like someone blew up a YouTube video of cars crashing. If I wanted to see that, I'd just see it on home. Right. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that the movie's terrible, but that there's this great two-minute shot near the end that could be the best shot of the summer. That was overhyped for me. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, can what was that two-minute shot? I must have mentally already checked out. I was so numb by this. I think I wrote on my notes here, like, this is ugly. Oh, my God, why, is I so, why am I still here? <laughs> the way our brains work with images, it's really weird. Maybe it just adjusted 
to this new shot and didn't really notice it. But I was I was looking forward. I was expecting it because I'd heard about it. Or I was so numb after like seeing all the jump cuts and cuts and cuts and cuts right. everywhere. Right. Like the movies for its entire runtime is just this hyper kinetic, ugly looking montage. Montage. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Basically for eighty five minutes it's a trailer. Yeah. It's nothing but a highlight reel of random crashes and explosions. And occasional dialogue. Yes. And lots of reaction shots from Selena Gomez. Yeah. Then at the end, he's chasing after the car that Selena Gomez has been put into, that she's kind of been kidnapped. He's chasing after this car, and it suddenly cuts where the camera is on the front of the car, and it's probably a minute and a half long shot, of just the car following this other car down this long street. And they're, like, going through intersections, and there are a couple moments where they, like, barely miss other vehicles. And I don't think that it was done with CGI. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But overall, I was unimpressed, because that shot had been, like, hyped up to me. Like, oh, this is an incredible tracking shot. And no, they just put the camera on the front of the car and drove for a minute and a half. That's what I thought. I was like, I felt really bad because um, Matt Zoller Seitz was saying that there's an incredible two-minute shot again, and I, did I blank out? Did I fall asleep during that part? Like, I completely missed it. What was so amazing about it? And yeah, it, now that you mention it, it's totally, they just put the camera on the front of the hood and drove, and people almost miss each other. Right. And, I mean, it was a, it was a well-done shot, especially compared to the rest of the film, but well, because they didn't edit the shit out of it, <laughs> right? Right. But there was nothing about it that made me go like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" Yeah. So I think a lot of critics just responded that way because the rest of the movie is so terrible. <laughs> that's accurate. I think any more than a two star review for Getaway is like too generous out of five. I would mainly give the script a little bit more though, because I think it, I think it maybe is you you bring up some interesting points, but it's not what ended up in the final product. Well, here's the thing. So much of the, of the action, as you said, and so much of the movie is done from these cameras that are inside the car or outside the car mm-hmm. that there are several moments where it basically makes the viewer complicit in what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's one moment I'm thinking of where Ethan Hawke is explaining to Selena Gomez what's happening, and he says something like, he's watching us right now, or they're watching us right now, and he taps one of the cameras by his head and then it cuts to the the point of view of that camera. Mm -hmm. Like he's talking about us, the audience watching him. So there are moments where I got the impression it was going for this commentary on modern movie going and audiences voyeuristically wanting to tune in and watch all this destruction. I mean, the dialogue in this movie is is so bad and it's, it's so the plot, the dialogue, there's a lot of, stuff missing it's just not there well in one of the first action scenes one of the first commands that john voight gives ethan hawk is literally just smash into everything yeah he says drive into the park and smash into everything you can and that was the moment where i was like what like seriously (laughs) that's your order it's not lure the cops away or it's not you know do something else it's literally just smash stuff yeah that is what he is supposed to do and that is what this nameless director's whole plan hinges on is this guy just smashing into everything he can Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting 
to me when you stop to think about it how you could read it as a metaphor for for Hollywood. You could, but again, if you're going to do an action metaphor, get an action director. I would agree with that. <laughs> I would agree with that. That seems kind of necessary. I mean, Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon worked together for Cabin in the Woods, and they've had experience with Buffy together. So it's like they know what the conventions they're working in, and they know how to film it. This guy, like, I, he could have had an amazing message in there. I'm not interested. If it means having to watch that ugliness. Unless he's going for some crazy, subversive Michael Haneke-type stuff, where he's basically like, yes, I am going to make this as unpleasant as possible. I am not going to give you the smooth action you want. I'm going to make it crazy and chaotic and kind of boring, because that is the direction modern Hollywood is in, and that's what I'm trying to illustrate. Man, he must really hate audiences then. Well, I don't I, I don't think he was going the Michael Haneke Okay. Route, but... I mean, in, in that case, you just straight up hate people. <laughs> you, you are spitting in the <laughs> face of your audience and say, you know, flipping them the bird. Well, not necessarily hating people. I mean, I don't think Michael Haneke hates his audience. I don't think he hates, but he's definitely an introvert. <laughs> yes, and he doesn't think that audiences should be going to movies to watch people kill other people, which is why he made funny games. Yeah. To deny them that. So I suppose one could argue, I'm not ready to go that far, but I suppose yeah. one could argue that Courtney Solomon is doing something similar where he's kind of like, well, you shouldn't be going to action movies to have fun watching people blow up and, and watch all these cliches happen and watch innocent people somehow miraculously survive because that's not realistic. So I'm not going to make it fun for you. I don't think that's what he's doing. I don't think, I mean, I haven't seen Dungeons and Dragons with American <laughs> Haunting, so, so I don't know. Maybe Courtney Solomon really is a uh, brilliant director. I don't, I don't know. But I didn't get that impression. Yeah, I'm not going to give him that. I mean, it's, it's the final monologue, the final voiceover that really made me perk up because this, all of this was going through my head as I watched the movie. And then the movie ends with John Voight getting away with it. And you could argue that it also ends with the director getting away with this cinematic crime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, and it's, it's weird because it's supposed to be like a Christmas movie. Like it takes place around Christmas time. Which I, I'm, if we're going to talk about tropes, well, that's, you know, that's Die Hard. That's quite a few of them, I think. Right. And I was wondering, like, okay, what if this movie had actually been released around Christmas because the final voiceover of this movie is John Voight telling Ethan Hawke, but because it's in voiceover, it's by extension, he's telling the audience, go home, enjoy your family and your loved ones. I'm still out here. At least we can agree this was entertaining. Hmm. That's literally the last line of the movie. I can't remember the, the exact wording, but it's something to the effect of at least it was yeah, entertaining. I mean, yeah, at least it was fun or something. And that just felt like the writers flipping the bird to the audience. So there we go, yeah. <laughs> Basically saying, thank you for all this money. <laughs> Which I don't think, has it made much yet? I don't think the receipts have come out yet. I'm not sure. Okay. I haven't checked. But yeah, the final voiceover is basically, thanks for the money. At least it was entertaining. Go home and enjoy your life. And I'm like, okay, that's movie going in a nutshell <laughs> these days. I really do think that maybe the script was meant to kind of be a critique of either modern audiences or modern 
movie studio systems and, and how that works, where they basically turn out crap and audiences give them money for it. And they, they get away with it, Monica. They get away with it. <sighs> This depresses me to no end. <laughs> it was really ugly. I'm serious. Like, oh, it's an, yeah, it's an ugly. It's got to be one of the, cinematography wise. It's got to be one of the worst movies I've seen so far this year. It's terrible. Like it's it's sore. And it it is such a cliche though. Like all the action, the bad action movie tropes. Like they give you no info about the main character except he's a retired race car driver because of course who has a shady past. Yes, with a shady past, and his wife is this manic pixie dream girl who inspired him to leave all that. <laughs> You've got Selena Gomez, and I don't know if this character was always intended to be a teenage girl. Just the magical child that helps them. All I could think was this would make a lot more sense if this character was, like, in her late 20s or 30s. Oh. <laughs> She's at least college educated, so yes. you could say, oh, right. Not that this is a birthday, this is a 16th birthday present, this amazing car that you're riding in. Oh my god, that was just, that made no sense to me. Is that like a Shelby Stingray? I can't remember. It's a fancy souped up car. Ethan Hawke steals this car, Mm -hmm. and then it happens to belong to this rich, snotty 16-year-old girl, and then she is ordered to track him down and carjack him? They try to explain it away as best she can, like, oh, I have a gun on me in case I get mugged or whatever. Yeah. She got a phone call from a policeman saying that her car was at such and such a spot, and then she decided to, you know, go and get it for herself. Yes, and she already happened to have a gun, and she happened to think that carjacking this would be a good idea instead of asking the police to come help her or anything like that. It's just, it makes no sense. It's like... I mean, either the writers went into this realizing that it was terrible and they explicitly wrote this for a teenage girl to be terrible, or somewhere along the development process, Selena Gomez came on board and then they somehow had to write it around her. Well, we have this kid now. (laughs) She's hot. She'll put her somewhere in the script. Oh, we'll just explain that she has the gun in case she gets mugged. We'll explain that... She happens to know a lot about cars and hacking. And international finance. Yes, and if you don't believe that, well, then you're sexist, because it's the 21st century, and women can know that. Yeah, she says it, too. Yeah. She's like, this is the 21st century. Get with it. Yeah. I was like, I understand that, but you look like you were born in this century. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I have a problem with. That, too. (laughs) Also, kind of makes me wonder how much how much better Harmony Korine is a director for getting like the Spring Breakers performance out of her. Yeah, seriously. She's like the conflicted moral center of the story. In here, she's kind of like a cardboard cutout reaction shot. Reaction. <laughs> I honestly, I when this movie comes out on DVD, I want someone to just do a mashup of all of the exclamations that Selena Gomez has during this movie. Yeah. And just her gasps and her little cries of, look out, or don't, don't's the big one. It's always, don't, 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 yeah. don't. oh man. You hear that, Tumblr? Jif ready. <laughs> she must have said don't around 20 times, at least. 
Nice round number, yeah. It's really incredible how one note the dialogue for her character is. See, now you're making me think, because it fits a lot of what your theory says about how this is a commentary on the genre, but at the same time, my god, it was so bad. It's painful to sit through, Monica. I'm not going to deny that. I mean... This is some Michael Hanukkah (laughs) It hurt my eyes. (laughs) And first she, like, doesn't want to join him... Then she decides she does, then she doesn't again, and then she does. It's like her motivations are never really sorted out. They're just going through these established beats we've seen a million times Mm -hmm. before. Like, oh, she's not going to want to join him, but then she'll realize his wife is in danger and decide to come back and help him. There is one action scene in particular that was, I think, the, the most hilarious of all. I went to see this movie with my dad, and he and I were both laughing out loud. I mean, when I wasn't groaning, I would laugh. (laughs) There's a scene when there's, like, a guy on a motorcycle chasing Mm -hmm. them or something, and I couldn't figure out what happened because the cinematography is so bad, but they were, like, on a train track or, or something, and then... Oh, the big explosion, right? Well, yeah, he fires the gun at just the precise moment and sends the motorcycle crashing into something. Yeah. I couldn't figure out, was it like a fuel station? Yeah, like a propane tank sort of deal. It was at a train depot where there's a lot of just trains sitting around, and then I think it was like a propane tank or something like that, and it just goes up in the biggest way possible. Yeah, he. it's this one shot that sends the, the motorcyclist into the propane tank, and then it's nothing. It's a chain reaction where it's just explosion after explosion after explosion after explosion yeah. following the car. And it's the and it's it's the action thing you've seen in a million other movies. I mean, it still looked impressive. I was just kind of like, whoa, that's a big explosion. Yeah. And my dad and I were just laughing. And he was just like, I can't believe you did that with one bullet. <laughs> that was exactly the same thing that the critic next to me said. He just started laughing from halfway through that sequence on. And just like, <laughs> one bullet! One bullet! <laughs> yeah, it is so over the top and ridiculous. Usually you have to rain bullets down, like, the end of two guns in order to get anything to (laughs) decently explode (laughs) but no no one shot baby (laughs) i mean say what you will about this movie they push everything to 11 including the bad stuff Uh, consumer cams man not the way of the future please i know you're trying to bring down costs for production that is not the way to go And then before that, like, there's the whole power plant explosion. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite get that. Somehow John Voight can overload the power plant from where he is and make it Yeah, explode. that's a really good computer. Yeah. Yeah, and then the whole plot, the whole point of that was for Selena Gomez to go in by herself and get caught on camera. And I was like, well, that's really happenstance, you know, because the Ethan Hawke's character, Brent, was about to go in with her. Well, I think either way, the point was just that they're going to get framed. No matter yeah. no matter who goes in, they're going to get framed gotcha. for it. It's weird because I don't think it's a terrible idea, whether they intended it to be commentary about Hollywood or not, as just like a simple action premise. It's not terrible. It reminds me a lot of Speed, you know, or, or those old high concept action films where it's just a guy in a crazy situation outside of his control, mm-hmm. and he's trying to, to regain control. And it's it, it's not a bad action premise. It's just the execution is so ugly. Now that you mentioned Speed. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That actually looks really good I mean, now. I like Speed. 
a lot, actually. Speed is just a fun, mindless movie. I mean, it's a simple premise. Don't slow down the bus or we die. And this one is do what I say and smash into all this stuff or your wife dies. I mean, it's just a simple high-concept action movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the execution is so awful. Mm-hmm. I can't... I, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine what this movie would have been like with maybe a better director or an extra draft of the script. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about Getaway? I still think it's ugly. I think it would have been better if it starred Will Arnett as Job <laughs> Bluth from Arrested Development and the theme song was Getaway by Mark Cherry. <laughs> nice. Save all the dames. Yeah, you wanted to talk about... This whole save all the dames thing. Yeah, so I get it. The the whole rescue the princess concept thing for the first one. And then the bad guys turn around and kidnap Selena Gomez in, like, the dumbest way possible. It's just she happens to stray too far away from Ethan Hawke. And then they kidnapped her as collateral because the cops run in. So here was this once capable character who magically knew everything about anything. And then, now she's back to being a passenger, except for filming on her cell phone. (laughs) Her reaction shots. (laughs) We need those reaction shots. Okay, that scene made no sense to me, because they somehow streamed this meeting to the cops. Yes. And they couldn't do that before? Right. They streamed it onto the cops. But up until this point, the cops think that they're criminals, and that Mm -hmm. they're involved. Yeah. So... The normal thing would be for the cops to bust in and arrest everybody, including Ethan Hawke. Yeah, who's clearly (laughs) a suspect. (laughs) Yes. At the least. (laughs) He has caused millions of dollars in property damage. Might have hit somebody. Yeah, but no, they bust in and they only arrest the henchmen, and then Ethan Hawke is able to just say goodbye to his wife and then walk over to the car and drive off. And I was like... Really? That's some awful police work. It's also some awful, like, she just got released, and then he's like, oh, I gotta go. And she's like, okay. <laughs> but, like, don't leave me. <laughs> she, she is nothing but a plot device, really. Yeah. She, she serves no purpose. Go rescue your next lady, friend. <laughs> yes, I felt so bad for the actress, because she has nothing to do but cry and scream yeah. the entire movie. That's not much of a reaction shot. <laughs> and then uh, he goes to rescue Selena Gomez, and I can't even remember how he ultimately pulls it off. Uh, he The bad guy throws Selena Gomez out of the car to, like, throw off Ethan Hawke, and Ethan Hawke has to crash the car so he doesn't oh, right, hit right. her. Cause, and I was just trying to figure out, wait, why did they do that? Did they just realize, oh, man, this guy's committed and he won't stop, so we should just throw her out of the car. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why they did that, other than maybe she finally annoyed the crap out of them, and they were like, screw that. They didn't bother to, like, shoot her before they threw her out of the car? That would have been terrible. They don't do that to the main people. (laughs) You can't do that. That's our second build actress. (laughs) I know, but I feel like if, if this is supposed to be, take place in any sort of reality. What? One bullet, man. One bullet. I mean, they spend the whole movie yelling at her and pointing a gun at her, and they're they're like, hey, stop filming on your phone or we'll yeah. shoot you. And then they just decide not to shoot her. It's just so bad. It is so bad. So he doesn't really rescue her. They just decide to let her go. I guess he, he self-sacrifices. He trashes his car. The, the car. I mean, it's her car, so. 
Maybe not so much of a sacrifice. Not so honorable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There, there was one interesting line, speaking of that, where Selena Gomez, something, she says something to the effect of, oh, well, all the cops are going to be able to fire weapons mm-hmm. at you now because this counts as assault with a deadly yeah, weapon. Yeah, because he hit a car. He had a cop car or something. Right, which I had never really thought about. I had never really realized, oh yeah, a vehicle can be considered legally a deadly weapon. Yeah, no, that I've heard. I've seen enough Law & Order episodes. And now I want to like go back and rewatch every action movie I've ever seen and try to figure out, like, is that why the cops suddenly start firing on the heroes? Oh, I'm not sure that every action film adheres to the law, so... Well, right, that's what, and now I'm, not, but see, now, whenever I see an action movie, I'm gonna be thinking about that. Okay, sure. If a cop starts firing at a hero in a car before the hero has, like, done anything destructive with that car, I'm just gonna think to myself... That's against the law, man. Hmm. It's not assault with a deadly weapon yet. Yet. You're a cop. Do your job right. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our final segment of the show. Reboot this! We didn't do this last week, Monica, because we were talking about... We didn't. We had a doubleheader. Yeah, we had a doubleheader, but we're back now with Reboot This. So if this is your first time listening to Cinefix, basically, Reboot This is a fun little segment we do at the end of every show where we pitch either a prequel, sequel, or a remake to the movie we just discussed, because Hollywood loves franchises, and they love to just milk every property they can for massive amounts of cash. So I'm sure that someone in Hollywood already thinks, well, hey, if Getaway makes a lot of money, we can continue this franchise. I kind of thought the end was set up as there might be a sequel, and I thought, oh, God, no, please, no. (laughs) That's right. Anything but that. The voice is still out there, Monica. So if Hollywood approached you and the studio heads said, Hey, Monica, we heard your review. You had some good points. Courtney Solomon didn't do a great job on the first film, but we want you to take over for the second movie. It's up to you. You can write and direct it. Do you want this to be a prequel, sequel, or remake? How would you handle it? I'd remake it. I'd like to see the film that you were talking about earlier. It might be interesting to see what someone who knows how to shoot action films look like. So you want to see a meta-commentary on Hollywood? Meta-commentary. How about for lols? Bruckheimer. Michael Bay? Michael Bay. Team those two up together. That movie should like have explosions in the lobby. But then we'd pretty much wind up with Getaway, what we got, just with a bigger budget. <laughs> it might look better. And I don't know, maybe it would be interesting to see if they could pull off a commentary on their own work. Maybe not. That might be giving them too much credit. But it might be interesting to at least see like a good-looking action film with this script. You're assuming that Michael Bay has any concept of satire. And I've seen no. Pain Again, and I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. So maybe just a person who's capable enough with a camera. Or, you know what, buy new equipment. Here, I'll rent them the red camera or so if they want to shoot on the cheap, on the d- d- digital side or whatever. But, like, something good-looking. <laughs> if you wanted Michael Bay to direct a commentary on Michael Bay movies, mm-hmm. you would have to put all of the satire in the script and just know that he was going to direct it how he normally directs it, and you would just have to count on that. Ah. Count on his directorial style, figure out a way to make that part of the satire. I think that's how you'd have to approach it. 
Maybe. So would this be a sequel or a remake? Oh, gotta be a remake. I don't want to see this world again. Oh, so you wouldn't get Ethan Hawke and Selena Gomez back for more reaction shots? Uh, I just... Man, do you know how ugly that was? <laughs> was. <laughs> I don't think you get. I don't think you get how ugly that it was. It was very ugly. It was at least a hundred zoom in shots for no reason. I mean, I could see the pixels on the screen that were bigger than my body. This just no. <laughs> it was ugly. All right. Well, I would do a sequel. I would go full out bad. This wasn't bad enough for you? <laughs> I would embrace it. I would embrace it as much as possible so I could continue this meta-commentary on Hollywood. I would do a sequel, except I would make Selena Gomez the star, okay? Because mm. it's her car. Mm-hmm. So imagine she got her car all fixed up after this horrible experience, and then next Christmas something happens to her, like her dad... Gets kidnapped. Gets kidnapped. Yes, her dad, the CEO of this big bank or whatever is kidnapped, and she has to rescue him by helping John Voight steal money from a rival bank. (laughs) And then maybe at the end you realize her dad and John Voight were in it together all along. Boom. Well, I was going to say, that's basically like make the same premise over again, which is how Hangover 2 and 3 happened, right? Maybe it can take place in another country. Oh, you have to take place in another country. Yeah. And then maybe if you really want to get people interested... You throw in some cameos by uh, Fast and Furious cast members. <laughs> we might be blowing the budget at this point. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I would either include cast members from Fast and Furious, or I would just hire Judd Apatow, or who Who are the guys that directed 21 Jump Street? Lords and Philip. Yes, Lords and Philip. I would hire them to direct like a big-budget comedy version of a sequel to Get Away. Where it was just completely over the top and ridiculous. I'm so excited for... Apparently they're calling it 22 Jump Street sequel. Oh, yep. I can't wait. I'll look for, more forward to that than bringing back the life of uh, Getaway. They know how to direct action, though. They do. They had some pretty good action scenes in that movie. Yeah, and it here we go. So it played with the conventions, especially during that car chase, where... You know, they keep hitting things and they're like, man, I thought that would explode. I really thought that was going to explode. And then the guy, a motorcycle hits a chicken coop and that's the thing that explodes on the highway. Right. They're like, uh, well, wouldn't have picked that. (laughs) Yeah. Give them getaway too. get them to turn it into this really hilarious satire of Hollywood action movies. Oh, the message so subversive, no one could find it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for part two of our discussion of Getaway here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing Riddick, starring master thespian Vin Diesel. Yes. (laughs) Shakespearean trained actor extraordinaire Vin Diesel. (laughs) If you thought he was Oscar-worthy as Dom in the Fast and Furious films, you'll love him as Riddick (laughs) in Riddick. (laughs) We should just start doing that in a world (laughs) trailer. That's going to be our new synopsis run now. Okay, this is my trailer for for Getaway 2. In a world where movies are titled after their protagonists, (laughs) Brit Magna is on the run again in... Getaway 2, Magna. (laughs) Will he be able to drive the car around the active volcano? (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Explosions. (laughs) Getaway 2, Magna. (laughs) Yes.
I'll pay you, man. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes, so if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, Avenging Angels, Navigating the Newsroom, and The Nerdy Projectors. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Twitter and Tumblr at Movies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at BOFCA.com. You can find some of my writing at moviemezzanine.com and patheos.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema and doing whatever other people tell you to do. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!